0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of ASHP's podcast on medication safety, the podcast where we decide current trends in medication safety, regulatory issues, and best practices that improve patient care. My name is Anna Bianek, and I am the Medication Safety and Quality Assurance Specialist for the Department of Pharmacy Services at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, or CHOP. I am joined by Anthony Jaworski, who is the Clinical Program Manager with the Philadelphia Poison Control Center and a preceptor for the CHOP Pharmacy Residency Program. Today, Anthony and I will be chatting about ISMP-targeted medication best practices for hospitals, best practice number nine, which reads, ensure all appropriate antidotes, reversal agents, and rescue agents are readily available. We will focus our discussion on ways we were able to include learners while working towards compliance with this ISMP best practice. Thanks for joining us today and welcome, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Anthony, you operate in a unique pharmacist role can you tell us about your position as the clinical program manager at the Philadelphia Poison Control Center?
1: Absolutely. So pharmacists can really represent a wide variety of roles at the poison center. Most commonly they serve as what we call specialists in poison information. And these are in healthcare professionals who provide public health education to community members and also uh, toxicology resources to local hospitals. We do this by providing a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week poison helpline that's constantly staffed. We also have nurses and also medical toxicologists who provide the same support. And then with all this information, pharmacists are involved in reporting this data to something called the National Poison Data System, the NPDS, and this provides real-time epidemic surveillance. And um we've been the ones to sound the alarm on things such as laundry detergent pod ingestions in children that has led to some regulatory changes and we're also you know finding things in other areas such as adulterants in illicit substances found uh, in our communities but for the most part of pharmacists in these roles we assess and triage patient calls and so whenever we get calls from members of the community We provide recommendations, we observe patients at home, or we, in some circumstances, recommend them go to the hospital for further treatment. And once these patients are in the hospitals, we recommend, we make recommendations to healthcare providers, whether it is labs, testing, observation periods, and also guidance on antidotes, which we'll be talking about a little bit more later. We do a lot of collaboration with toxicology staff in managing some of these tox cases. And things that I do specifically as a clinical program manager is I do a lot of policy protocol development for toxicology management. I'm also involved in grant writing and research, precepting students, residents, both from pharmacy schools, pharmacy residency programs, and also medical schools as well. And then pharmacists have uh, these unique uh, certification opportunities in the realms of poison control. So there is something called a certification exam for specialists in poison information. And this uh, really kind of gets into the whole toxicology background of these uh, specialists. And then some pharmacists can undergo a pretty rigorous board certification exam called a DABIT, uh, also known as a Diplomat of American Board of Applied Toxicology. And these pharmacists actually serve as clinical toxicologists in a lot of poison centers.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Anthony. It's always exciting to learn how our training as pharmacists prepares us for roles outside of the pharmacy. Now, let's take a look um, at ISMP best practice number nine. This best practice is centered around emergent use of appropriate antidotes, reversal agents, and rescue agents. What does emergent use mean in context of this best practice?
1: Sure. So, ISMP specifically points out that emergent use is really up to the organization. We know that with timely and appropriate use, uh, antidotes, reversal agents, they can reduce morbidity and mortality. And there's some guidance out there that really delineates what antidotes should be given immediately and what antidotes you have a little bit of extra time to procure and administer. Unfortunately, there are patient outcomes, negative patient outcomes, related to inadequate stocking or due to availability, reduced availability of certain antidotes. And this has been cited in the literature. So while things such as naloxone are fairly ubiquitous in our hospitals and different institutions, uh, things such as pyridoxine, which we utilize for isoniazid toxicity, is a lot more seldomly used and may not be appropriately stocked. And Um, In the literature, it has been linked to negative patient outcomes. And so this shows that some antidotes that do see seldom use and inadequate stocking in the hospitals, these are things that are not uncommonly reported in the literature, and we do see this in our day-to-day practice. And there are some other barriers that do kind of get in the way of uh, emergent access to these medications, at times hospitals that do not adequately stock them. They turn to borrowing stock from other institutions. And when you consider the fact that maybe the local institution, the neighboring institution, may not have them, these hospitals end up having to call a lot of different uh, institutions in the region just to get a medication, an antidote, and that further delays care. Now, reversal agents that may not be stocked in patient care areas, Of course, due to the need for either compounding or due to their own high-risk classification, this can also lead to some pretty significant delays in delivery of care. So if your institution actually decides that antidotes need to be immediately available for emergent use and need to be kept in clinical areas where you are using high-risk medications there are some proper precautions that really need to be taken. This includes protocol and order set development. These need to be in place, especially if a pharmacist cannot verify an order in time for an antidote to be administered. And then also ISMP, they highlight that directions for use and administration should be made available at the bedside. And a lot of times having a unit-based pharmacist could be very helpful in this regard.
0: When reviewing compliance with ISMP best practice number nine, what are some organizational resources, documents, and procedures to consider?
1: Well, I mean, me working at the Poison Center, you don't have to look much farther than that. There are many resources that we provide. So we can provide assistance with uh, what antidotes to stock at your institution, also with how many to stock in order to cover your patients for the first couple of hours. And we can also make recommendations for urgency associated with antidote administration, whether antidotes need to be administered within minutes or even within hours. And these recommendations come from expert consensus guidelines that are written by the American college of emergency physicians. So you can always refer to those as well at the poison center. You can also get guidance on what institutions Stock which antidotes. So, we do keep a running list of that. And it's always good and a good idea to reach out to us. And then, some procedures to consider when looking at this best practice specifically you always want to review stocking and distribution locations for your antidotes. So, consideration of locations based on urgency and limitations of compounding um, certain agents is something that should be considered. And you also want to assess use of antidotes, especially where high risk medications uh, utilize most often in your institution. Um, Also updating policies and procedures related to safe and timely antidote administration. And this is, of course, tailored to your specific institution. In some departments, they turn to creating antidote kits or boxes. Sometimes you'll find uh, lipid emulsion uh, rescue boxes found in ORs specifically for local anesthetic toxicity. And that provides the proper directions for use and administration, because a lot of times in those situations, pharmacists will not be able to verify the medications in time. And now with uh, the new technologies around the automated dispensing systems, you can also establish virtual kits in a very similar manner. And then another uh, procedure that you can kind of go about is reviewing protocols and order sets, making sure that your electronic medical record and the ordering systems are all up to date with the latest guidelines.
0: So, Anthony, in what ways can you tailor or frame a compliance review for learners?
1: Sure. So, first and foremost, you need to identify your institution's needs. A lot of times, this involves collaborating with your team to identify and kind of decide which projects are really the most important ones that need to be done in the shortest amount of time. There you can assess the feasibility of all these projects. So you're looking for time and resources needed to complete a class review versus something like a single agent utilization. You also want to assess for appropriateness of really the level of learner that you will have, whether a certain project will be more appropriate for residents or for students, or whether it's more appropriate for it to be a longitudinal or a rotational experience. So, for example, a quality assessment involving all antidote utilization could be completed probably over the course of a longitudinal experience, as opposed to a formulary review, which would be great for a rotation So after you identify your needs and a list of these projects, you should consider that your learner may or may not have foundational knowledge of the subject matter to be evaluated. So depending on the project, especially with regards to antidotes, it may be important to review maybe the rotations requirements. So if you're doing a med safety or poison control or an admin rotation, being aware of what kind of knowledge gaps you need to fill. So for example, if you're doing a single antidote utilization review, then you may expect to do a little bit of teaching of the foundational content to fill those gaps. And just recognizing that learners will have varying levels of some of these concepts, you should be prepared to level set. And then finally, you wanna place the learner at the center of all this. So whenever possible, allow learners to choose or select the projects or topics when they come and start your rotation or start in your program. So for instance, having your residents rank projects, or if you're at an institution that has longitudinal advanced practice pharmacy experiences for student pharmacists, allow the students to rank them during their orientation as well. That's something that actually I was able to do when I was doing my clinicals. Residency program directors, they can encourage residents to reach out to preceptors to highlight specific interests. And it's also on the clinicians sometimes to reach out to learners that show particular interest in the subject area. And the clinician should spend the time with these learners to explain why particular projects are important, because it's very important to give learners context and showing them how much a project can influence future practice. And in the end, we know that purpose drives passion and creativity.
0: That it does. And those are certainly all important factors to consider. What sort of learner assignments would be applicable for best practice number nine?
1: So specifically for this best practice, always uh, doing a drug utilization evaluation, looking specifically at antidotes that are most commonly utilized, assessing appropriateness of dosing, proper indications. You'll also want to see if there are agents being stocked that are not being utilized, and then maybe adjusting your stock based on that. And another approach to assessing would also be looking at areas of high-risk medications, where they are most often utilized, and are we stocking the appropriate antidotes there? And another potential project or learner assignment we can do is a compliance gap analysis. So reviewing safety events, specifically tied to reversal agents and antidotes. A lot of times you can do daily trigger reports. Here you can do a root cause analysis or look at any sort of delays related to antidote administration. And a lot of times this could be very good for your department because it can lead to justification for creation of policy or procedures or creation of some of those antidote boxes or virtual kits that I alluded to earlier. And sometimes you can use this to justify roles, maybe justifying the role of an emergency department pharmacist or even more unit based pharmacists. Uh, You can have your learners also get involved in updating policies and order sets. And this is a great rotational project. So this should be done whenever new antidotes or new reversal agents come to market or when indications change or when new formulations come to exist. Or if you do find anything in your drug utilization evaluation or compliance gap analyses that require adjustments. And then finally, antidotes, they're not immune to drug shortages. It's always a good idea to have a plan B, and we may not always have those. So a lot of times these come up last minute, and these also make great projects during rotations because they usually require fairly immediate action. We recently were dealing with a pretty big succimer shortage, which is a chelating agent used for lead poisoning. And we were able to involve our learners in creating a pathway whenever the succimer was not available.
0: So Anthony, we collaborated on addressing best practice number nine together. Let's share the assignments that we set up for our learners at CHOP. Anthony, do you want to take the lead?
1: Sure. Yeah. And we did have this uh, awesome opportunity to collaborate. So we had a longitudinal project that involved three residents, two PGY1s and one PGY2. So, what we did was we broke down the project into multiple objectives, and our goal was to update the antidote listing, the antidote reference chart at our poison center, and also to update and perform a utilization review of the antidotes in the hospital as well. So, the first part of the project we had the learners perform a complete literature review of all current antidotes, rescue therapies, and reversal agents. And what they did was um, they went ahead and they summarized everything in table format, including all the antidotes, all the indications, and also uh, possible costs. Now, during this time, they were able to, in the review, find new agents that were added to the market that were not necessarily reflected in the antidote reference chart. So this was an opportunity for updates uh, to be made with regards to that. And along with uh, updating those specific agents, uh, the residents also looked into updating stocking recommendations and also making recommendations based on the urgency of these medications. And what they did next was they recommended these updates specifically first to the Philadelphia Poison Control Center's antidote reference chart. And then after that, they made recommendations to the um, the hospital formulary as well, uh, making recommendations whether to add or to remove certain products from formulary based on utilization. Anna, so do you want to describe the rest of the project?
0: Definitely. The residents also completed a modified drug utilization review the residents developed a list of top five to 10 reversal or rescue agents based on most commonly used high alert drugs. The goal for the antidote list was to identify agents that were recommended for immediate use to be accessible on each patient care unit. If a certain patient care unit required an individualized antidote list, the residents would create a unique list for these units. The residents also completed a gap analysis on the current availability of antidotes. Each automated dispensing cabinet and card tray inventory was compared against the list of antidotes the residents developed. The residents identified inventory gaps and recommended additions of antidotes or rescue agents for each inpatient, outpatient, and procedural unit. I'm really glad we were able to partner on precepting this project together, Anthony. Could you share some of the lessons we've learned through this collaboration?
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, and not to say that there weren't challenges, this project in and of itself was quite labor intensive. And we kind of thought about that ahead of time because uh, we went ahead and we split it between multiple learners and we also implemented it over a more longitudinal uh, kind of experience. And that actually voted very well for for this project. The logistics and the timing also proved to be challenging, especially, uh, you know, with regards to the providing resources and knowledge gaps, because this uh, topic with the antidotes and reversal agents is quite broad. And it made for also a very labor-intensive literature review. And also providing access to IS systems, such as all the automatic automated dispensing uh, devices, also kind of proved to be challenging. And interdepartmental communication is always uh, difficult, especially when you're dealing with uh, multiple departments. But nonetheless, it really provided valuable insights for the learner's in this collaboration specifically between our inpatient pharmacy department and the poison control center. It opened them up to some more non-traditional roles for pharmacists. And again, it emphasized uh, communication and organization skills. And in the end, it really benefited both of our departments. There were resources that were shifted and we were able to update the poison controls antidote listings to bring it up to speed with the latest evidence. And uh, CHAP was able to review their drug utilization, benefiting both of us. So,
0: yeah. It was definitely a great project. Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Anthony Jaworski for joining us today to discuss ways to include learners in achieving compliance with ISMP medication safety best practice number nine. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's medication safety resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as Patient Safety Resource Center, patient education resources through safemedication.com, and exchange ideas and ask questions with your peers on ASHP Medication Safety Connect Community. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of ASHP's podcast on medication safety. And be sure to subscribe to ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Take care. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and wanna hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.